The word of the Lord from John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked for the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hand the mark of the nails, and place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear hearers in Christ, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. We have the story of doubting Thomas today, and I always feel a little bad for the poor guy. Until the Lord returns again, he'll be the apostle known for doubting that Jesus was indeed alive and risen from the dead. He was gone when Jesus appeared to the other ten. And when he returned to hear that Jesus had appeared to the others, he refused to believe it to be true. So, fine. Thomas doubted. But you can't say that the other ten were doing a fantastic job of believing. They were in a room that was locked for fear of their foes, even though they'd heard from the women that the tomb was empty and the angels had declared the resurrection. And, for all we know, Thomas was gone at the time because he was slightly more courageous than the rest and they'd sent him out for pizza. Nevertheless, Thomas was gone when Jesus appeared, and so he gets labeled Doubting Thomas. And once they stick, nicknames are hard to get rid of. I can't tell you how many years it took before people stopped calling me the Seattle Schwarzenegger. At any rate, the other ten are in a locked room filled with fear and doubt. It hasn't been a banner couple of days. The last time most of them saw Jesus, he was being arrested in the garden as they witnessed over their shoulders when they were running away. A few of them saw him on trial, then crucified. 
And as we mentioned before, their response to the empty tomb is confusion and disbelief far more than faith. Suddenly, Jesus is standing among them. Their teacher, whom they abandoned and doubted, and apparently he's pretty powerful since he's managed to rise from the dead. You know this story well, but don't take it for granted that when he opens his mouth, the disciples have no idea what he's going to say. It could be, time for some payback. It could be, you're fired. It could be, depart from me. But it's not. It's peace be with you. That's got to be a relief, but there's far more to it than that. Peace be with you is far more than a how you doing or a take it easy. It's a word of absolution. Jesus stands in the midst of sinful, doubting, cowardly, fearful disciples. And if we want to amplify his words, peace be with you, it might be something like this. You know all of your sins against me. Do you remember all of those times I told you that I would be crucified but rise again, and you wouldn't even entertain the thought for discussion, much less accept that it was God's will? Do you remember how you ran away and denied me in one way or another? Do you feel the guilt for hiding in the room because you doubted the word I spoke through my angels at the tomb? Do you feel the shame put upon you by the world because you believed the lies that I was a fraud and that I was gone? Do you remember all that? Well, my Father in heaven does not. He doesn't see any of that stain upon you because I bore it all to the, all to the cross. I took those sins and all sins of all people to Calvary, and I suffered the Father's just wrath for them there. Although you deserve to be condemned for your sin, my Father in heaven hasn't sent me here today to say it's time for you to pay for it. I'm here to say that your sins are taken away, and so you are at peace with God. And God is at peace with you. Give it some thought, and Jesus' first words are astonishing. Mankind, even his followers, have done everything to prove themselves unworthy of God's mercy and grace. And the first words of the victim who has paid for their sin are words of God's mercy and grace. Still not quite enough for the ten, though. After he speaks peace, he shows them his hands and his side. Risen from the dead, he keeps the wounds from the nails and the spear, not as a constant reminder to them of their guilt, but as an everlasting testimony of God's love for his people. When the disciples see the wounds, then they're glad they have seen the Lord. He's not some imposter or apparition or ghost. Jesus is risen from the dead. Not only does Jesus have peace for the disciples, but he has a use for them. They are going to be his apostles. He says to them again, peace be with you, and goes on, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. Then he breathes on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. I find it sort of joyfully comforting that Jesus says, Peace be with you a second time, because 
I like to think that he's saying, I've given you peace already, and now here's some more so that you can give it to other people too. That's really pretty much the calling of the apostles. After Jesus ascends into heaven, they'll be giving out the gifts that he gives them to give on his behalf. So, for instance, in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John encounter a lame man outside of the temple begging for alms. Peter says to him, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And when he says this, the man rises and walks, and he leaps for joy. Why? Because Peter gave what Jesus gave him to give. In other words, Peter said to the man, I've been sent by Jesus to say what he would say if he were standing here instead. And to a lame man asking for mercy, Jesus would say, Rise up and walk. Here, in the locked room in our gospel reading, Jesus doesn't talk about healing the lame. He sends out his apostles to say, I'm here to say what Jesus would say if he were standing here. To repentant sinners, he would say, I forgive you. To unrepentant sinners, he would say, I do not forgive you until you repent. So repent and be forgiven. Whenever the apostles say what Jesus sends them to say, Jesus does what he says through them. We still got Thomas out there somewhere, perhaps still in line at the pizza place. And when he returns, he doesn't believe that Jesus has risen from the dead, which means that he acts like all the other disciples were acting before Jesus appeared to them. To be fair, he ups the ante a little bit. It's not enough for him to see Jesus, hand, side, and all, but he insists on touching the wounds and placing his hand in Jesus' side. Eight days later, Jesus appears again to the disciples, this time Thomas included. Rather than chastise him for his doubt, he speaks and he gives his peace to all who are there, and then he accommodates Thomas. He says, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas believes, not because he touches Jesus, but by saying believe, Jesus has said to Thomas, let there be faith. Our recent confirmants would tell you that Jesus has just uttered an evangelical imperative. Then Jesus says to Thomas, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And that would be you. Jesus has ascended into heaven to sit at God's right hand, and so you do not see him anymore nor do you have the opportunity to touch the wounds of his hands or his side. But that in no way keeps faith from believing. The Lord still gives his gifts of forgiveness, faith, and life. The Lord still comes to you with peace. This service is all about Christ and his peace for you. You arrive here with your own sinful self and 
Your old Adam has done its usual fair share of damage since you were here last. You've sinned against other people in thought, word, and deed. You've failed to help your neighbor as you should. You're trying to tell yourself how your sins aren't sinful to you. You're still haunted by the guilt of past mistakes. Perhaps you're burdened by the shame of others' actions upon you. It's all there inside, gnawing away. So it's actually rather a miracle that you'd show up here. I mean, it seems a little unwise for sinners to show up where God promises to be because we have plenty of scripture passages that warn of bringing unholiness into the presence of God. But still, here you are. Why? Because you know that Christ has died for you and because he promises to be here with peace. So we start this service with the service of confession and absolution. You confess your sins in a general way. I mean, individuals don't start listing off their personal transgressions. That's what private confession is for when a sin especially troubles you. But you do confess generally that you're a sinner who has continued to sin and that you're still in need of forgiveness for the sake of Jesus who died for you. Having called upon God for his mercy and forgiveness, a pastor then says, In the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all of your sins. In other words, the pastor says, I've been called to say what Jesus would say if he were standing here. And if Jesus were standing here and heard sinners confess their sins, he would say, I forgive you. And when Jesus says, I forgive you, he's giving forgiveness. He is saying to sinners, you and I are at peace. From the service of confession and absolution, we move on to the service of the word, where we hear our Lord speak to us in scripture. This isn't just for educational purposes. You heard it in today's gospel reading that these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Every time you hear God's word, the Holy Spirit is at work to give and strengthen faith. Every time you hear God's gospel, the Lord is saying to you, do not disbelieve, but believe. Let there be faith. Then we move on to the service of the sacrament where Jesus himself one-ups Thomas. Thomas just wanted to touch Jesus, remember? But for you, Jesus gives his body and blood to eat and to drink. What for? For the forgiveness of sins. That's why immediately before the distribution begins, the pastor turns to you, holds up the consecrated bread and wine, which is now also Christ's body and blood, and says what Jesus said when he appeared to the disciples. Peace be with you. The peace of the Lord be with you always. It's the same peace because the same Jesus is there with his same body and blood, crucified for your sins and raised for your salvation. This, then, is how you live your life as a Christian until Jesus comes again. Knowing that you still sin and that each sin is leading you towards disbelieving, you confess your sins along with all guilt and shame. 
where you have doubts, and you will, you confess those too. To those who repent, Jesus says, I forgive you. And even if you don't feel forgiven, you cling by faith to the certainty that you are, because Jesus says so. You know, the Gospel of John began with Jesus as the Word made flesh. As it starts to conclude here, Jesus points you to Scripture, His Word inspired. That's where you find Jesus today, and that is where He works to forgive you. Confess your sins and hear His absolution. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Let there be faith. Let there be peace. Peace be with you, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.